Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. And we are kicking off today, season four of the More to Be podcast, and we are so excited to have you join us. And for those of you who are new to us, I want to introduce you to my dear friend, Kaylee Kelch, who's with us today as well. It is good to be here. It is good. It's good to be connected. So for those of you who wonder how this whole tech thing works, uh, Kaylee and I are actually meeting over Zoom. So we're in different states, uh, too many hours apart, but we get to have this connection time where we get to study scripture together and talk about how it plays into our lives as we've been doing for the last couple of seasons. And so it's good stuff for our souls. Yes, it is. It's always good to connect and um, just spend time in God's word and just... Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the whole thing about relationships. And, and I think that we lack in today's culture is the, the true connection where, again, we're seeing each other face to face. It's not mm-hmm. through texting, which is great. It's not through Facebook, but these times that we can talk together. And I think it's so important that we develop these type of relationships with, you know, the people that are around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. In our real life and right. Uh, because of the times in which we live, we can take advantage of doing it this way. And so, you know, ultimately, my dream would be to have everybody who's listening here in the shed and sitting down and being able to like touch each other and hug each other and, and pick up on all the body language nuances, but we can't do that. So our desire is to do that with each other and then kind of make that a contagious idea of who can you grab and, and do this with, sit down with the word of God and talk it through and apply it mm-hmm. together. Sure. Listen to the podcast and then discuss it together with friends. But yeah, just finding ways that you can create connection um, and, and do life together, like you said, instead of just living, we live too much in this day and age as silos unto ourselves and mm. we don't come in contact with people or it's, it's very shallow. So yeah. Well, I love everything you've said so far. You're setting us up perfect for this season's focus. So every season we've had some sort of kind of, this is the mantra of the season. And so for this season, we're going to focus on relationships and connected relationships. What does it look like to be uh, the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of Jesus Mm -hmm. in relationships uh, that God has placed us in. So whether that's in our, our marriages, and for some of us, it's not the case, and uh, it might be in our singlehood. What does it look like in our parenting and in our step-parenting? What does it look like uh, in our relationship with God? And and when we're feeling frustrated that God hasn't answered our prayers and he feels distant, how do we draw closer in relationship to him? Uh, and then what does it look like in our friendships, uh, sisters to sisters in Christ and our friendships with people who don't know the Lord? What does it look like in relationships in the workplace? So we're going to be looking at how to develop uh, what I am calling true uh, connected relationships. And that's not actually my own idea. So I need to give credit where credit is due. Okay. So yeah. where did you find that, that phrase? that phrase. So uh, I have a really good friend, Shelly, who owns an equine assisted therapy farm. 
Okay. And I have been working alongside her for, well, I should probably give a date since April, 2019, because I don't know who's listening and when they're going to listen to this. So since right. April, 2019, I started to come alongside her and we share a very similar vision to showing the love of Jesus to people who have endured uh, any kind of trauma, whether childhood trauma or as an adult and trauma being defined by any experience that has left a, a wound and has caused that person to kind of enter into a fight, flight, or freeze mode. Okay. So uh, whether it be an isolated incident or an extended, something that happened over an extended period of time, but that there needs to be healing that has to come out of that. And so she's a huge advocate at the farm working with um, especially kids who uh, have endured the trauma of loss of a parent, um, any sort of abuse, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, any sort of bullying. Uh, mm -hmm. She's a huge advocate for suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. uh, and really the statistics show that one of the number one ways to minimize the risk of suicide is having, especially in teens and youth, is to have a relationship with one adult, one invested, connected adult can turn the tide for a child who is considering suicide. Totally believe it and see it like, you know, working with teens. Yeah. It makes so much sense, like, because they feel heard by somebody. Yeah. And they know that somebody is watching out for them. Yeah. It's, it, it's a huge thing for me to personally process through because of the number of suicides that I've walked through. Mm. Uh, and in one particular case, the suicide, that child was connected with multiple adults and in and, and, you know, a loving, thoughtful community. And so, you know, I, I do say it minimizes the risk. It's right. not a guarantee. We're not the savior. And I do believe that suicide very much is uh, a, a mental illness that, yeah. that we have to face as that, that, that there it's it's at times completely out of our control yes nonetheless i'd rather err on the side of loving well and loving intentionally and loving sacrificially and and being as much like jesus as we could be to the people that god has put in our lives and then allow him the authority to say well done good and faithful servant right uh, not based on the outcome but by, based on the motive of our hearts and yes. our intentions Oh, it's so well said. And it, and I think that too, there's times that we can take so much on to ourselves and this pressure and feeling like, okay, I'm responsible for this other person. And I think that's where sometimes maybe even people then put a barrier between a relationship because mm -hmm. it is messy. And, it, and then in times we can take on too much that we don't own, that we don't have to um, you know, put on our own shoulders. Yeah. And yet having that relationship and entering into it in a healthy way. And like you said, loving well and loving like Jesus did, um, opens up so much for us and for the other person. So interesting that you just said those things based on what we were talking about before we got on. So I'm going to go there. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I've been walking through just a really difficult time and you know it and you, you've, you and I have boxed back and forth about uh, the heaviness that's on my heart. And 
you know, I can't go into the details of it because it would be telling other people's stories, but um, what you see on the outside is not necessarily what's going on on the inside. And, and for me, it's been a real struggle in my mothering. Um, I have been unknowingly living in such a way of making an idol of my motherhood, mm-hmm. meaning, um, you know, I, I, and it's been so subtle the way I've done it, where I feel like I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to make sure this, I have to make sure that when it comes to raising my kids, uh, where I've taken on the position of the savior in their life, rather than believing that Jesus is their savior. Mm-hmm. And I have been measuring myself against a system that God has never put there before me. Uh, and, and the clue has been, um, went through some real conflict with uh, all of my daughters at the same time, all three, you know, I have three daughters for all of you guys who have, are listening for the first time. So my oldest is 20. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, my oldest will have been t- 20 years old going into her senior year of college. My second is 17, about to be 18, and she's going into her freshman year of college. And then my youngest daughter uh, turned 14 during the summer and is in her freshman year of high school. And then she has a twin brother who's also a freshman in high school. And uh, I went through a situation, a spell that all three of the girls were struggling with different issues that, uh, different issues that were out of my control right. all at the same time. Thank you, hormones. <laughs> Thank you. And actually, it was a hormonal season as well. <laughs> but, but in this span of time, I found myself saying, I'm so done. I'm so done. I cannot do this anymore. I cannot be all that you need to all of you all of the time. Like, right. I don't have enough of me to go around. Uh, and the more I heard myself say that over like a 24-hour period of time, the more I was hearing the Holy Spirit say, and did I ask you? And mm-hmm. did I ask you? And did I ask you to be their sufficiency? Did I ask you to be their problem solver? Did I ask you to meet all of their emotional needs? Did I ask you to make sure that they don't hurt and they don't suffer? And even to the point of, did I ask you to be a perfect mom? Did I ask you to uh, show up at every point at every time to ensure that nothing bad ever goes wrong. And in each, each prompting over this period of time, I was walking with the, through with the Lord. I was saying to him like, no, but yeah, no, but statement. no, but, and, and, you know, I even got to the dark place of saying like, why did you even make me to be their mom when you knew how broken I was going to show up? Because that's how much I love my kids. Like I don't, I don't want them to have the broken version of myself. Right. I want them to have the heal and whole healed and whole version of myself. And, and, you know, God has done a miracle in me in the last decade. But that doesn't undo what they experienced in the first, you know, five, eight years of their life with me as their mom. And it has been a a season of releasing myself 
of the expectations that I had on myself as a mom and, and trusting, which I don't feel like I'm there yet, but saying, God, all right, I'm just going to lay this before you. I don't understand you. I don't understand what you've called me to or why you uh, are, are having them walk through these various difficult mm-hmm. uh, ongoing trials, isolated trials, momentary challenges, where <laughs> in each of those situations, I feel a little bit like schizophrenic in that there's one side of me that says, this would be the godly loving way to respond to them. And this other side of me, which is what on earth is wrong with you? Can you just pull it together already? Cause I can't handle you, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and there are moments where the Holy spirit shows up and leads and guides in that. And I am that kind and gentle and loving and patient person. And then there's the other side of me that shows up and I'm, and then I have to apologize. Right ask for forgiveness does any of this sound am I making any sense whatsoever yeah I mean this is honestly this is the whole thing of of grace and how God deals with us too I mean and and what he shows the grace he shows to us because we do stumble and fall and we get it right sometimes and we're totally in line with his spirit and we handle things the way that he would handle them and then as, as Paul said, you know, and then at times like that carnal nature just takes over and, and I fall and I sin. Mm. We have that freedom in Christ. Yeah. I think the thing is, is that in human relationships, then, you know, whether it's mothering or with friends or spouses, when we stumble and fall, there's somebody else that's involved and they get hurt sometimes or then they react in their own way because, well, wait a second. And so they fly off or deal with things in their own, you know, they shut down or they fire back or, or they cope in their own way versus a loving God. Who's like, okay, I'll sit here and wait for you to calm down. And, and I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. I hadn't ever thought, you know, does it hurt God? I mean, I'm sure it does from the standpoint that he doesn't want us to have to go through the consequences of however we've just acted. Yes. Does it hurt him in the context of we as humans and then how it shapes our relationship with that person. Yeah. And yet that's the beauty of what God has given us of each of us having the free will to respond. Yes. And just because you have, or I have responded in an unchristlike way where we've lost our patience, our children or our spouse or our friends or coworkers have the same choice to either respond out of a, you know, selfish, sinful nature or to respond in a Christ-like way that then stops that momentum mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. allows us to move forward. And each and every day, like each moment, we have these choices to make. And mm-hmm. I think that's also the beauty of it is that each moment is a, a newness of character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and we have, God doesn't say like, oh, well, you, t- you started down this path. So guess what? You're stuck on that path. Mm-mm. Like each moment we're like, okay, do I turn the corner or do I continue on the direction that I'm going? Yeah. Um, and he invites us to keep taking new steps with him. And, and that's the beauty of, of forgiveness and grace 
and the ability to continue shaping our relationships with the people around us. And, and that's just because we take one misstep doesn't mean that we're doomed then and destined for failure mm-hmm. within that relationship. Um, yeah. yeah, I've got a great illustration point for that, that you know, when, when this was kind of in the heat of the moment and I was going through this with the girls, um, I mean, I was just so, so crushed in spirit over so much. And in the past, I would have screamed and yelled mm-hmm. and I would have likely gone out the front door mm-hmm. and, and just blown off steam somehow. And that's what I wanted to do at this one pinnacle moment. But I remembered by, by the working of the Holy Spirit in me, which I think was a byproduct of the discipline of coming before him on a regular basis and not right. allowing sin to fester in my life so that there is this clear connection between me and God through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I felt this prompting, go to your room and take a time out. Going out the front door ain't going to solve this. Yeah. I went to my room and I tried to like sleep. I cried on my pillow. I tried to like solve it that way and it didn't work. And and felt the prompting again, oh Lord, like grab your Bible and spend time with me. And I, <laughs> I have such a shoddy attitude. I was like, what am I going to read in the Bible now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> razzum frazzum. And I, I grabbed my Bible and I, I'm like, I didn't even know where to turn, to be quite right. honest. Right. But I've been reading this book, uh, the second go around called The Love Exchange by uh, Margaret Thurkelson. Okay. And for the last two year, year and a half, I've been really camping out on what does it, what does God's love mean? How does it manifest in my life? Uh, I know we've talked about it on previous episodes. How do we be love as God's beloved? Mm-hmm. Um, you go back and listen to the episode uh, with Jennifer Dukesley mm-hmm. on, on that. I mean, we really sat in that idea of being his beloved. And, and so I'm reading this book to help kind of just deepen that. So I get to this chapter and I open it up and I'm like, oh my word, it was describing exactly in her, her words, describing exactly what I was feeling in my heart. And she was listing all of these scripture passages out from John. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to grab my journal and I'm going to open up to John and I'm going to look up every single verse that she's mentioned and I'm going to read it in context, which is something that we've been passionate about more to be is that we can't just choose verses and claim them. We have to see the context and apply them. And, And so in John, uh, 15 uh, verse nine has it kind of become the anthem to me as I, as I figure this out, like how do I love my children well when they are suffering? How do I love my children well when we're in conflict? How do I love my children well when I don't like the decisions that they're making? Right. Uh, and, and replace children with, spouse, friend, parent, coworker, right? And so um, John 15, Jesus is talking about um, being, he's the true grapevine and father, the father is the gardener. And in verse two, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. And so there's this, this idea of that God is shaping, shaping us. And are we allowing him to do the pruning work, which is pretty darn painful. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen a pruning shears, but they, they ain't, don't come at me with pruning shears. That's all I can right. say. Exactly. 
so you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. That's verse three. And verse four says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So I've always looked at this passage and thought of it from the perspective of the pruning that God is doing on me. I've never looked at it from the passage of the fruit that he wants to produce in me. So when I'm from a place of I'm so done, I'm coming from a place of I'm not able to produce the fruit. It's Mm -hmm. me. Whereas if I come at it from the place of I'm not the fruit producer, I am just the fruit displayer, then it relieves the burden of having to produce the fruit. And then I can shift my focus to God, how do I abide in you right now? How Jesus, how do you produce this fruit in me? What am I doing to be an obstacle to that fruit? Well, and it, and it takes back then too of allowing him to do the pruning work that, I mean, it's still painful, but it, it, it's this level then as you've been describing this, I just see this, this exhale of like submission, like when you were in your room and like, I don't want to read the Bible. And yet when you listen to the Holy spirit, like that was a piece of then this level of like submission to, okay, go ahead, cut that branch off. And yet then there was this piece that came and then this natural fruit that again, God's like producing of like, because there was this, you know, your spirit changed then. Yeah. Because God of did like submission to him, right? Yeah. It was okay. Fine. And, and that is my classic fine, you know, attitude of a 14 year old, fine <laughs> eyes rolling and all, but you know, that's not the submitted heart that God wants. Uh, I think he does want us to be like, yes, Lord, not just right. fine Lord, but he takes me at fine. Right. Because that's you know, where you're at right now. That's where I'm at. So then uh, verse five says, um, well, I, let me go back to four. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because I was like, I'm so done. Well, I was apart from him. Mm -hmm. trying to do everything. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. And then here was the zinger for me. Verse nine, I have loved you even as the father has loved me remain in my love and the the word that i have adopted which margaret thurkelson pointed out in love exchange Mm -hmm. is even as even as so i have replaced the i'm so done with even as so what does that what does that mean or explain a little further It means in that moment, when I say I'm so done, I am defining my own abilities. Mm, But when I replace that, you know, and classically the trap and transform, take captive Mm -hmm. every thought, make it obedient to Christ, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's first Corinthians 10, five and uh, Romans 12, two. 
okay, my, my habit has been, I'm so done. My new habit and mindset is that even as you have loved me, mm. I can love them. And you laid down your life for me and I don't understand why. It doesn't make sense to me. I might have chosen another method if I was God, but I'm not God. And this is what you have done. And even as God the Father has sent his son to lay down his life for me, I can lay down my life for my kids Mm -hmm. and my husband and my friends. And I can do that not by the power of my own strength, But out of the overflow of God's love in me. And I almost see this, like, I use this illustration so many times with youth group uh, where I have this cup and it's a clear cup Mm -hmm. and I, I fill it with water, clear water, which is the living water. And then I grab a can of Coke Mm -hmm. and I start pouring the Coke in and it changes the consistency. It changes the color of the water. And I think that's how most of us live. Like, well, God has given us the sufficiency of what we need, but maybe we'll just add this on. Maybe we need a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, or it's our own sin and it it turns the thing toxic. Mm -hmm. And we think we're stuck with that. But in reality, if we just pour that out Mm -hmm. and let God pour himself back in, it will dilute the sin and dilute the Coke. and, And then enough pouring out it becomes back to that clear living water. And so I have this visual of even as it's I'm so done is me pouring that can of Coke in. Mm -hmm. And even as is me saying, no, we're going to pour that out. Jesus, pour more of yourself in me. I think the other thing is you were talking that I, I think sometimes when we think loving well, we equate with fixing. Yep. And so as you were talking, you know, and, and as I think even with my own kids or the girls I minister to, like, I want to take away their problems. Yeah. So I want to make life easy for them. I want to, to help them to just get rid of that anxiety right now at this moment. Yeah. And, and so then the loving well can start to, um, I start to feel overwhelmed or I react in a certain way because there's, there's so much pent up, like, I just want to fix this. Yep. And yet loving well is being there with them. Yeah. If you think about it, I mean, yes, when Jesus walked this earth, sure. He solved a lot of problems and he healed a lot of people and he calmed storms and raised people from the dead and he fixed a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. And yet there's got to be plenty more days where he walked with the disciples and the people around him and he talked to them and he preached to them, but he didn't solve every single minutia of their day, Mm-mm. you know? No. And in fact, you know, that's what, like after feeding the 5,000, the people were like, oh, hello, you know, give us more food. So he, he fixed their problem for the day that he provided for their needs, but he didn't give them groceries for a year. Nope. No. But his his spirit and the idea of his presence was then like, that's what he was giving them saying like long-term here I am. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry to keep, but like, you know, the Samaritan woman at the well, like that exact idea of like, okay, yeah, give me the living water. So I don't have to come back day after day 
and get water. And like, she was thinking so temporal of yeah. like, Oh, thank you. You have fixed my problem of never having to come draw water from this well again. Mm -hmm. He's like, think bigger. Like I'm here. And the whole idea of the living water is my presence with you. And the, the aspect of a relationship and that that's, what's going to sustain you through the bumps with all these husbands you've had in all of your relationship challenges and everything else in your life. It comes down to this relationship with you, not yeah. the fact that I can take away every single thing in your, you know, smooth sailing. Yeah. And I, I, I think we want to, we want to fall into this God mode of fixing everything. And yet we have to stand back and, and yes, how has God loved us? It's, he says, I'm here, I'm here with you. And mm. my presence gives you the comfort and the ability to process life. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the case, even with our human relationships is that honestly, when I've stopped trying to fix it, just my presence has, and I'm not saying like that, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not like I'm, I'm this genie or guru, right? But just the human relationship and compatibility and companionship, all those words, it is enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm listening to everything you're saying. I'm thinking about like all the scripture passages the Lord is bringing to mind. I'm like, oh my word. You know, I think of the the crippled man who laid by the pool at Bethesda, Bethesda. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, 38 years, I think he was there mm -hmm. and waited for Jesus to heal him. He didn't even have to get in the pool. Jesus did it. And then I come back to this. And as you were saying all those things, you know, the lie that we believe is that we get to produce the fruit in our offspring mm -hmm. and that their fruit is a reflection of us, but they're their own tree. Mm -hmm. They're their own tree with their own branches. And, and some mama needs to hear that right now, that that child doesn't need to remain in you. That child needs to remain in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's like, whew. I didn't even know that we do that with spouses too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, the whole, like, oh, I'm going to fix them. Well, don't get married to, to fix them, but then still you get married and then there's, oh, but how are other people viewing them? And what did they do at work? And you know, you need to change this and you need to, you, 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 and we do. I know it's such a counseling thing. Like you can fix yourself. Like yes. you are responsible for yourself. Yes. And yet how we impose ourselves and our ideas on other people. And it, it does, it comes back to them, like letting God transform us. And as he transforms us, how does that cast like our fruit? What does that produce in other people? Because they're watching. Yeah. And then, and, and what part do we play in just leading them, the people around us, to God so that he can produce that fruit too, because he's the one who's pruning, not us, but we right. pick up the shears sometimes to be like, mm, that branch needs to go. <laughs> I know. I know. And you know, it's just crazy. I have a friend who, who told me this a months and months ago. She said, uh, stop um, pulling weeds from other people's gardens. Ah, that's a good one. And that has been so helpful as a visual because like, I would never go across the street to my neighbor's house and be like, let me just get your weeds for you. But how often do I go into somebody else's life and be like, you need to deal with this. Like, what's your problem? This is going to wreck you. Get it together already. And it's like, uh, one, I wasn't given permission to do that. 
to telling somebody, I know this is a life coach. Right. We will never accomplish anything by telling somebody what to do. Asking a question and giving them time and space to think about the answer and come back and have ownership over it, that will help them. Right. So, you know, we started with this idea of true connected relationships. And I never even explained the acronym. So okay. let, me, let me explain that part. And then how that's going to play out, I think, it's, gonna, it's just going to weave itself into every episode. Right. So uh, TRUE is, is the acronym. T stands for trust. R stands for respect. U stands for understanding. And E stands for empathy. And the idea that uh, to develop true relationship connection with other people is it requires these building blocks of trust, respect for each other, understanding each other, and then having empathy for each other. And the, the TRU part comes out of the horsemanship world okay. where you're developing that kind of relationship uh, with the horses that you would not, for example, you would not enter into a pasture and then, you know, throw on the saddle and the bridle and be like, giddy up, let's go, right? right? Now, everybody who does trail riding at a ranch, that's their experience. But basically, those horses are there for that trail ride experience because somebody else has developed a trusting relationship mm -hmm. with that horse. Right. And so how do you build trust with a horse or a human? It's over time. Mm -hmm. and, and that trust is built upon and grows when you show respect for each other's space mm -hmm. and that each other's emotions and each other's perspective. And, and um, I think as believers, we show respect by responding in such a way that uh, acknowledging that we're made in the image of God, we're the Imago right. Dei. And how, how are we treating that person as a, a reflection of God himself? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Genesis 1 says that, we made man in our own image. And so how are we humans treating our friends, our spouses, our uh, children as Jesus Christ? Right. If he was standing right there with us. Um, and then the understanding part is, are we willing to become people listeners? Mm -hmm. Are we willing, you know, that if anybody saw a saw horse whisperer mm -hmm. from that movie, Here's a little horse information. Horse Whisperer was a, a Robert Redford film, and it was built upon uh, the concept, um, the character that Robert Redford played was actually inspired by uh, this man by the name of Buck, and I can't remember his last name, but there is a film that you can watch called Buck. Okay. And uh, it's great. I think every person, horse person or not, should watch this film. It is a documentary about this guy, Buck's life. He uh, grew up in an insanely abusive childhood, alcoholic father, alcoholic abusive father, was put into foster care and was raised by this uh, woman and, and her husband who were loving, loving, God-fearing people, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, Buck ended up becoming uh, a horse person, a horse trainer, and his methods, so fascinating. There's this one part in the, the movie Buck where he's interacting with a woman who needs desperate help on training her horse. Uh, and he, he helped the woman. Right. She was the one with the issue, not the horse. 
the horse, all the horse's issues was a result of what the woman's issues were. And, and so all, all, this, all this to say, uh, we don't want to become horse whisperers or people whisperers where we are uh, speaking into the, the heads of people and getting them to do what we want them to do. Right. We want to become listeners of their souls mm-hmm. and their hearts. And what are their actions saying? What fruit is being produced in their lives? And how does that tell us about where they're at? How do we respond with understanding? Right. And then the last part is empathy. How do we respond in such a way that recognizes a person's pain, fear, insecurity, uh, a sense of overwhelm? How do, how do we respond with empathy rather than aggression, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, hostility, impatience, Mm-hmm. you name it. Yeah. And, and these are, these are the building blocks that I would love to see us as a community become mm-hmm. that, that we, the way we do relationships is transformed by the way God does relationship with us. Well, cause everything you just named off, um, you know, I can see in Jesus's pattern of how he related with his disciples and the people around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of remarkable. And, you know, I've been doing this horse equine assisted therapy training since, you know, April, actually I started, I think the training back in February, but got hands on in April of, of 2019. And it changes the way I think it's changed the way I see people. And here's a specific example. My husband and I uh, just spent time with a couple that we are walking through really deeply authentic wounds with them together. Their wounds, our wounds, we're just reading a book called, uh, what is it called? Healing the Hurts of the Past. And it's a book about shame. And, and we are being very honest in our discussions. And in this time, my husband was very honest in uh, one of his great insecurities. And when we were driving home, we were trying to continue the conversation. And I responded really harshly. Mm. And it was like, uh, it was like, my behavior just went up on a video screen in front of me and I could see it like, I was like, Oh, my word. And all I found myself saying well, it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me like that was not empathetic. <laughs> that was, there was, there was no empathy. There was no compassion. There was no patience. You were just in your suck it up Sally mode right there. Right. And it's the first time ever, 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 ever in the history of me doing relationships that I immediately stopped and said to Stephen, I am so sorry that was not empathetic towards you. Will you forgive me? And he said, yes. And I said, thank you. And then I said, nothing. I didn't say, but. Right. You know, I stayed in that place of what does it look like to be empathetic? And that kind of transformation is happening in me because I'm keeping in front of me this acronym, this true acronym combined with even as, 
mm-hmm. and with scripture and everything else with the scripture of, you know, even as, okay, how am I remaining in God's love right now? Because God's love, if I remain in it, I don't need to prove. I don't need to change. I don't need to fix. Right. I don't need to prune. Um, uh, if I remain in his love, then I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And how can I be empathetic towards my husband right now? Uh, who also needs to remain in his love because if he remains in God's love, then I bet that insecurity piece will be taken care of. Right. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but so, so hard. Hard. <laughs> yep. Well, and that's why, you know, sometimes I know we've talked about like, do we end up coming up to the same topics? And yet it's because I think the more that we continue to talk about these kinds of things, the more it sinks in. And the more, like you said, all of a sudden that light, you know, switch of like, I'm not being empathetic right now. And you were able to stop, but it's because the same um, topic has been rolling around in your head and you've been in, you've been hit in all different ways too, between the equine training to what you're reading to Bible study, you know, across the board, Mm -hmm. it starts to resonate more. And I think that's the thing is that as, as we continue to stay connected and reading and podcasts and all these kind of things that, that keep pouring God's truths into our mind, that's what allows us to continue on this path of transformation. Yeah. Um, Cause we need it from all different avenues and we need it repeated all the time. Yeah. In the um, coach training, one of the principles is that we teach is that we won't change how we think unless our thinking is challenged. So well, the, one of the stats is we learn enough bad information by age six to impact us for the rest of, the, of our lives, unless it's right. challenged. And, and some studies have shown by age four. And we know from a science perspective that the brain, the neural pathways of the brain are uh, significantly developed from birth to six. Mm-hmm. So from zero to, to two, uh, by time a child's two years old, their neural pathways look like the biggest pot of spaghetti noodles you can ever imagine. I mean, just an absolute chaotic mess. And, and you know, are we surprised? If anybody's been with a two-year-old, you absolutely know they're learning at this really rapid rate, and yet their behaviors sometimes are completely out of control. Right. So from uh, two to six is when all of those neurological pathways start to get straightened out and connected. And that happens through the context of relationship. So that's why any abuse that happens from age birth to six is so seriously traumatic because it's hindered the neurological pathway development. It's not that it can't be healed or redeemed by God, but, but you do have a kind of a mess on your hands. Mm. And so if we never are challenged in the body of Christ, if we do not get into connected relationships with one another, the, the kind of healing that God wants to accomplish, I truly believe it's a fair statement to say will be stunted. Mm. I believe that God uses relationships to bring about healing. And back to where we started, if we, you know, when we're talking about uh, suicide prevention is one caring adult in the life of a youth. And that's the number one factor that can minimize suicide. Mm. Then that tells me that God designed us to be in connected relationships with each other. 
and we see it in the Godhead from Genesis one, where he says, we created man in our, our own image. So he's already in relationship from the beginning of time. He already has a relationship with the, this, you know, his son and the Holy spirit. And then by his grace, he created us and then calls us to be in relationship with him. Jesus says, I am leaving you, but don't fret. I am sending you the Holy Spirit to continue this relationship. And so us as people, we need each other. Mm -hmm. And we need to speak truth into each other's lives. And we need these true connected relationships to become who God has intended us to be. But if we don't get ourselves out of our cliques, Mm-hmm. And and the toxicity of our own family culture, which it can be toxic many times, and we don't rub up against other people and other relationships, we don't see our own dysfunction and wounds and pains and habits quite as clearly. Yeah. I was actually, as you were talking about that and talking about the Godhead, um, I'm in the middle of a book. I'm trying to see if I can find the title of it. Um, the sonship of Christ. Yeah. By Ty Gibson. And he was talking about how, what is, he asked the question, what's the numeric value of love? And it's like, Mm. what's the numeric value of love? Like, what do you put on that? And he's like, well, it's not one person because I mean, that's just the selfish love. Then that's not actually defining love then. Right. I mean, one person. Yeah. Yeah. And yet two people doesn't really work either because like, I'm then just focused on me and what I can get from you. Mm -hmm. And yet when you have three people, which is the Godhead, you have like this perfect, um, he calls it, that's the minimum number then for true love to exist because there's this idea that I'm giving to you and you're giving to somebody else. And then all three of us are giving and we're interacting in such a way that shares love Mm. having this selfish attitude and if you think about it too how often like if you have your bff like you worry about another person coming in yeah and so there is then like it's it's not as true of love because there's this selfishness in this pull of like oh but wait like if they slip away yeah where there is this beauty if if you're willing to let somebody else come into the mix like there's more creativity that happens and, and there is more love that can be shared within a mix of three. So he's like, and, and yet you, you do, you have this image of the Godhead, which yeah. is this perfect example of love. And so this idea of, yeah, taking and allowing like our human relationships um, to form and to mold in this aspect of a giving of ourselves and this love. So anyways, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I need to, I need to sit on that and try to figure it out. And when you said, when you said, what, what can we get out of the relationship when it's just the two? I mean, I see that. I see that. I mean, that's why, that's why everybody wants a boyfriend or girlfriend or wants to get married is because they're, they're expecting the, you know, the old movie that said you will complete me, which is the greatest lie ever since, you know, the beginning of time, nobody can complete you. Uh, we're not meant to be completed until we see Jesus, I think, face to face. But our expectations, like what are we, what are we entering into relationships with and what are we hoping to get out of it? And that's something I learned in the very first part of the equine assisted training. And it, it's why I want to get people into the round pen 
to see how they really show up in relationships because you know, I've, I've been able to teach my daughter when we're driving out to the farm, we start praying and I start asking God, what is it that he wants for us that day? Mm-hmm. What does he want to accomplish? What is his purposes? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Caitlin couldn't understand that for a, a good long bit. Like, why are we doing this? Right. I'm like, because the mindset is we show up because we want, I want a good ride. I want to have fun. I want to experience a thrill. I want, I want, I want. And uh, the, in the horsemanship training, the concept is you need to show up and find out where's that horse at today. How are they feeling? Are they lame? Uh, are they? Do they have goopy eyes because their allergies are out of control? Which my horse that I ride, Lindy, actually has allergies, and she needs to be on Zyrtec just like her, her human mama. Um, and, and you know, did, did she get nipped on the on the butt and has a wound that needs to be cared for? And none of those things can be figured out until I show up and start to interact with her. And I, that is the pursuit of the understanding part. Uh, in, mm-hmm. and the empathy part and the respect part, which when I do those things, I'm building trust with her because now I don't enter into the field and, ha- and she doesn't look at me like, Oh my word, here comes this woman. She's going to make me work so hard. And she's just going to be like rough on me and boom, right. boom, get her, her fix out of it. No, this woman shows up. She takes care of me. She grooms me. She rubs the stuff on my neck. And I get all excited when I have that smell because I know it's going to make me feel less itchy. Like, like, and that interaction with this horse has translated to me in how am I showing up in my relationships? How do I show up when I walk through the door in my house? How do I show up for my husband? How do I show up for my kids? How do I show up for my friends? Am I looking for what I'm going to get out of it? Or am I looking for paying attention to where they're at? What do they need? How can I serve? How can I be love to them? But for me, it's taken getting me outside of the human context that's been so broken into a context that's different to see how I really am. And well, you just said the word like serve, you know, Jesus came to serve and he talked about having a servant heart. Yeah. Um, And it's so hard for us. Like that's what we push back against because serving has nothing to do with my needs. Like you said, I want, I want this, I want good, you know, to go out to the farm and ride, um, has nothing to do with us then and everything to do with the people around us or even yes, the horses and the animals. And, you know, when we show up with an, I want, if we can put that through the filter of, but how is this also good for the other person? Mm -hmm. How is this showing understanding and respect and compassion and empathy to the other person, which changes how we do relationships. Mm-hmm. And all of this leads back to being more like Jesus, because this is exactly how, what he modeled to us. Yes. Yes. Remain this. Even I have loved you. is his example for us. Even as the father has loved me. I'm going to continue to read to the end of this chapter or to, to verse uh, 16. And then I think we can get to close in prayer on that. Okay. When you obey my commands and commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes. Your joy will overflow, man. What a promise. Mm-hmm. 
That's the opposite of depression. That's the opposite of anxiety. That's the opposite of overwhelm. That's the opposite of defeat and despair. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slave because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. There's so many promises in this section and so much like beauty of the fact too, that rem the reminder of that he has chosen us. Yes. Like we don't go running after him, choose him. Like he has chosen us and said, Hey, I want to be your friends. And all we have to do is respond and say, okay, I would yeah. love that. Um, and then, you know, the, the, then giving us a mission and a purpose too, that he has, He's chosen us and he's appointed us to produce that lasting fruit. And he promises that he's going to be the one that's going to do that in us. And that then, um, you know, he's, he's going to give us what we need. Doesn't mean we're going to be living in a mansion, but he's going to give us mm -hmm. what we need to operate through this life. And I love then the whole way he sums up in this reminder to love each other. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's wonderful. Would you uh, close us in prayer yeah. on that? That's awesome. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And Lord, I just ask that you would please be with us as we continue to learn how to navigate our human relationships and to be more like you and to love like you love us. Um, you've given us so much. And, and your love comes without strings attached. Um, and I just ask that you would help us to be able to offer that same type of love to the people in our lives. Be with us as we, um, as we talk about relationships this coming season and that you would just continue to shape each one of us and our listeners, um, that we would grow in our understanding of you and that we would develop healthy relationships because we are operating out of uh, your love and what the scripture calls us to do. We thank you so much for who you are. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kaylee. Love doing this with you. Thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.